You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Randy. In the future, all your family photo albums. Oh yeah, there will be star filters on all the pictures. This is Jesse. In the future, flip phones from the early 2000s will make a comeback. But since they will be a retro nostalgia thing, it will actually be called backflips. You <laughs> can actually see that. That's pretty good. <laughs> It'll be a thing. Uh, that and clip-on earrings. You know what? I hadn't thought about it, but I don't doubt flip phones will come back at some point. I'm surprised they haven't yet. Yeah. It's been 10 years, so. Yeah, exactly. It's been long enough. Where's our flip phones? Pretty soon, pretty soon somebody's going to be like, my kingdom for a flip-out keyboard. <laughs> Every everything is touch screen. I need to feel the words I'm saying. You know, <laughs> I'm kind of on board with that. I'm on board yeah. with that because when when we when when I still had a phone that actually had like buttons, I could yeah. I could whip out some messages. Um <laughs> I was actually even kind of got better at doing the the text num the text messages with the number pad. Yeah, I was pretty good at that with the Razor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was, I think there was a, one of the fancier name brand phones I ever owned. Yeah. Uh, and then the touchscreen, I was like, oh, this is, it's, it's, it doesn't feel right. And it feels clumsy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're in the show. <laughs> <laughs> the show. What's that? The, the show. Welcome to the Grogs podcast. Yes. We are podcasting right now, even though we might have forgotten for a moment. Hey, and, uh, what, we just, uh, International Podcast Day just happened. Yes, listener, it Good just job happened. Podcasting. Are you aware of it? Well, if you're listening to this, you probably are. But is your is your is your sister aware of it? Are your friends aware of it? Tell them. Share the goodness that is podcasting. Listen, people are talking about things that you like and that they like, like like your sister and your mom. Like, there's people talking about the stuff they like. They should hear it. <laughs> they need to hear it. <laughs> They they need to hear it. Do do a iTunes search. Do I mean, a, assuming you still use iTunes, that's still a thing, right? I'm pretty sure. Okay. People uh, use iPods from the early 2000s, just like flip phones. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> how do you get your iPods? I mean, your iTunes. I mean, your podcasts. Your Where do you get those? Your 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 tune pods. I am curious how people get their their podcasts right now because our stats kind of give us an idea of a little bit like where the downloads coming from, but not not enough to really satisfy me because I'm not sure. I don't know how much is coming from iTunes and this site and this site and whatever else. Anyway, uh, speaking of that, you know, like if you're a person that just waits till the first Monday of the month and you uh, listen to us through Stitcher, mm -hmm. then you need to know about Grolic Bites. Yeah. You know what? You have a good point. If you just wait to the first Monday of the month, am I really just <laughs> repeating what you said? 
If you're just waiting till like our official scheduled episode, yeah, you're probably missing stuff because the last couple of months we've dropped like a bites in between each episode or something like that. And I actually have another segue for where Jesse's trying to take this. Um, (laughs) Speaking of, (laughs) I'm going to pile my segue on top of yours. All right. Speaking of International Podcast Day, I was talking to Robert from the Roman Podcast. Wait, what? Right. That's a good show, by the way. Yeah. They, they, he was talking about they want to do something, and I don't know that they, if they've done it, but I hope, hope they had because it was a good idea. If not, I, I want to steal their idea. But they were going to make a video or something, basically like, here's how you download a podcast. Here's how you find a podcast. And I was like, that's brilliant, you know, to make an actual like YouTube video to like introduce new people to podcasting. Um, but he mentioned this idea to me while we were talking. On Grolix Bites number eight. Oh, full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. So if you missed it, Grolix Bites number eight came out just uh, from the time this goes up two weeks ago and uh, or about a week and a half ago. And Robert Cast, who is one half of the Roman Podcast uh, show, he joined me to talk DC Rebirth and, and CWDC DC shows and um, uh, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realized talked about all the DC. I realized after the fact, I was like, "Wow, I was really hung up on Superman." Like, I even like glossed over talking about Batman to be like, "So Superman." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it made sense because you guys were talking about big events in a shared continuity. Yeah, and, and it was like that's going to happen more often in a Superman book or anything Superman's involved in. And I think right now, because we kind of kept hitting that, yeah, that shared, the shared universe thing, we kind of kept hitting that over and over again for whatever reason. But I think right now, that's the issues with that is more evident in the Batman titles, or I mean, the Superman titles than the Batman. So, Mm -hmm. so that was part of it. But yeah, we had a, it's like an almost an hour and a half conversation, which is pretty good for a Bites episode. Yeah. That's, that's practically uh, a whole episode of Grolix where, like 0.75 Grolix episodes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Primisodes. It's almost a full episode. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a fun episode to record. I enjoyed talking to Robert quite a bit. He's a super nice guy and he doesn't he doesn't get to talk comics a lot, so I or at least in a podcast form. So, uh he seemed excited about it and we had a good time. They put out a uh, fun clip. I, I feel like I need to definitely listen to the current episode. I think it's like 26th of the Roman podcast where uh, they acknowledge the fact that uh, he was on a bites. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you hear that one? Uh, is it the clip they just posted? Yes, the clamor. I have not. I have not retweeted it, but I haven't listened to it yet. I've just <laughs> it's, been very it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I'm, oh, man. I'm going to check it out. I enjoy their show quite a bit. I listen to it. Basically being voyeuristic about your your co-host being on another show. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. We are are a a clean podcast, so I'm not going to get into the details, but it's funny. Moving Uh, on from what? Well, I was just going to say the segue from this is that we've got some new shows on the uh, Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network, don't we? Yeah. Okay. So what did we talk about? Did we talk about drinking in the park last time? We did not. They are new. Okay, then we got two new ones. And actually, there's a whole chain of things. Uh, Roman Podcast introduced me to Drinking in the Park, and I think Drinking in the Park introduced me to Doctor Who Dark Journey. So yeah, Drinking in the Park 
is a really unique show. Like it really struck me right away because it's, it's kind of, I mean, you've got a little bit of like what you might expect a kind of geek podcast, you know, two dudes talking, but it's mixed. It's kind of presented almost in an audio drama produced style. Hmm. Sometimes the episodes are very unusual. Like they'll talk and then it'll go to some very strange commercials. The first episode I listened to, I don't remember what they were talking about, but they were like, it was like they were walking through a park talking. And then the episode went to music for uh, seemed like 10 minutes, probably not that long, but it seemed like 10 mu- minutes. And then it was the end of the episode. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> and it was just weird enough that I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. Um, not every episode's like that, but they just do some really unique and interesting things that I haven't heard any other shows do anything like that. Not quite like that anyway. And the, the latest episode, although that might be out of date by the time this goes up, but the latest one that we posted from them was, uh, uh, they, they they listened to the old, um, the story of star Wars vinyl album <clears throat> and talk about that a bit. And that was a pretty good episode. Uh, so yeah, drinking in the park, find them on. Like list. they, like they listened to a power records version of it or. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically, and from how they explained it, it's basically like audio from the movie with some narration. Huh? Um, but yeah, it was released, you know, after the, you know, the first movie was a big hit and they do the like, it's it, you couldn't even really call it the uh, like audio drama version of Star Wars. It was actual audio from the movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, hmm. basically the movie on record. Well, I know, like, uh, you know, here's kind of a segue. Um, I know that the BBC released like audio versions of some of the missing episodes of Doctor Who kind of thing, and then they kind of kind of packaged that as like the audio drama, but really it was just what they had left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, oh, no, we still have this of uh, Troughton and Hartnell. Here, listen to this. It's it's audio drama. Audio drama. That was... <laughs> no, it's audio from video that we don't have anymore. It was audio recorded from the TV from very avid fans back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> nice segue because the other show that just recently joined the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network was uh, Doctor Who Dark Journey. Um, have you got a chance to check that out yet, Jesse? I, I haven't yet. Uh, I'm actually kind of behind on my Big Finish audios, so I, I have every intention of checking it out because it's right in my wheelhouse. So it's it's very interesting. It's It's a Doctor Who Sherlock Holmes fan production. You know, it's it's not an official, officially licensed audio drama. It's it's a fan show, but uh, it's Doctor Who and Sherlock is kind of his companion. And we're talking, it's more of like the classic Sherlock, not necessarily like uh, Cumberbatch type Sherlock. Oh, right. Well, yeah. And, you know, like that's a pretty common trope in uh, in Doctor Who, actually, because um was it Russell T Davies put out one called Damaged Goods which is uh the seventh doctor and Sherlock Holmes and that's actually on my uh, it's actually on my list I have it and I just haven't had a chance to review it yet or listen to it because I'm trying to keep up with uh whatever's current so my backlog just kind of sits there in backlog land oh, interesting people love the who lock they do they do love the who lock yeah it's interesting and it's 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 a new doctor um obviously their own take on the doctor 
Uh, it's they don't have somebody trying to ape a specific doctor, so they did kind of you know, which is which is interesting because then they can put their own twist on a doctor. Yeah, and you can tell like the writing's pretty good. Like he's got his own quirks. He says things that are it's very doctory, but at the same time you're like, okay, that's obviously kind of like his doctor catchphrase in a way because almost all of them have their specific catchphrase except 12 doesn't really does he mm. i was just thinking about this the other day like capaldi has probably consciously avoided it, it i think the closest is shut up <laughs> i think that's the closest <laughs> shut the d up 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 that really rubs some people the wrong way but no he he doesn't really seem it. to <laughs> i love that i i, I miss uh, Capaldi right now. I just realized the other day, I was like, usually I kind of avoid the current doctor because there's so much of him. You know, like, mm -hmm. they get all of the FaceTime. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like, usually I, in my spare time, I'm focused on some other doctor. Well, not right now. Like, right now, I'm keenly aware of the fact that we could have new Doctor Who. We just don't. We not just until December. don't. I know. <laughs> and then after that, we gotta wait a little bit, too. Yeah, like a, another whole year almost. Speaking of which, like the Sherlock people, they have to wait even longer. So I should just stop complaining. But yeah, I don't like it. Stop complaining. We're, <laughs> we're fans. We're, 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 we're fans enough to have a podcast. That's what we do. Yeah, what kind of self-respecting fan do you... What kind of self-respecting <laughs> fan are you? Stop <laughs> complaining? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the, it's Doctor Who Dark Journey. They actually have like two full seasons out. I've, I started, um, from the time they joined the network, I started posting at episode one, one episode a week, but you can go there right now and listen to the, uh, full two seasons. And I want to say they're gearing up to do something. I'm not sure the specifics, but something a little bit different. Um, Doctor Who Dark Odyssey, which, um, huh. I'm not sure if it's a continuation or, um, but anyway, they're gearing up to do another season or another series of Doctor Who audio drama. So, um, and this is free. Like, oh yeah, I, I pay an awful lot of money a month <laughs> just because I can't stop myself uh, to get audio drama about Doctor Who, and you can get this for free, two full seasons. And I've listened through. I haven't listened to all of it they have available. I I, I binge through the first series of the dark doctor who dark journey and um i haven't got i haven't went through the second series yet but the audio production is pretty good it's top notch like you know i mean you you hear like fan production but i think in the audio drama world that doesn't have the kind of stigma that other mediums have when you hear fan production right it's very well produced yeah it's it's a, it's a pretty interesting show I'm excited that we have audio drama on the network. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, we always try to kind of find a new niche, it seems like, when we invite new shows to the network. But, like, this is one we don't, we don't, we didn't have any at all. Yeah. I was super excited. They were recommended to me by Drinking in the Park. And then before I got a chance to reach out to them, they reached out to us. And I was, ec I was ecstatic because, yeah. I enjoy audio drama quite a bit. I'd hoped we could get some type of audio drama on the network. And then to throw in the fact that it's the Doctor Who thing, I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God, yeah. The Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network is growing, and you need to check it out because we got everything. 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 
Oh, there all a, the things. Another show reached out to me today. I haven't got back to him yet. So when shows reach out to me, uh, I I I don't ever respond until I get a chance to listen to the show. And, yeah. And yes, I feel bad sometimes. It takes a little bit to get to check out their show, but I've had to. I've because of past experiences, I've had to become more uh, cautious of the shows that join the. Network. Yeah, you can't just listen to one show. You have to listen to a few. Yeah, exactly. That was and a- and people who join the network should feel good about that because you you know, like uh Robert Robert mentioned this in uh the bites episode that you listen to the show and you know what you're talking about when you promote them and that's uh that's kind of a reason to be involved it's like a family yeah it is a family <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know where to go with that <laughs> wait, wait. Way to way to take my touching moment and twist it. it no, uh, well, I was <laughs> I was trying to tur- turn it into like we've got like the estranged cousins over there. And <laughs> so who's the who's the network's creepy uncle? Oh boy, <laughs> I can't even say in joking without. I'm gonna plead the fifth. Yeah, I can't even say as a joke without possibly offending somebody. So never mind, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But I had someone in mind. <laughs> it was me, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jesse! <laughs> You're really looking good over there. Other podcast. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> nice job with your shows. You're really looking good over there. <laughs> you lost a lot of weight this summer, didn't you? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, oh wow! Hey, Roman Podcast, what are you up to? Twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven now. All right. <laughs> oh boy! All right, <laughs> moving on without crossing too many lines. Let's move forward. Mm-hmm. What else you wanted to mention? You wanted to mention Pete's album. Oh uh, yeah. Um, if you look back at our Grolix Nights archives, you're going to find Pete Mitchell. That's one of one of the episodes that I go back to a lot. Well, in that episode, he mentioned that he was coming out with his solo project, his EP, and uh, it's out. It's called uh, Diamond Head, and you should check it out. Uh, I believe you can find it. You can find it a lot of places. Uh, Bandcamp is where you can get a copy of it. But I think if you go to PeteMitchell.com. How about Das PD? Is it on the Oh, movie? yeah, that's probably it. DasPD.com. Yeah, it's D-A-S-P-E-T-E-Y dot com. Um, oh, yeah, he's got it right on his front page there. And, yeah, you can get it through Bandcamp, which which is generally, um, if an artist has something on Bandcamp, unless you can buy it more directly through them, that's generally the best way to do it. I think they get the largest cut when you buy it through Bandcamp. And he's got a lot of options for buying the album. Uh, I almost just bought the digital and then was going to kick in some extra money. And then I, then I scrolled down, like always scroll down because there's other options. And he has like a limited edition where he's got, uh, you know, like handmade art. Oh man. Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely worth checking out, uh, all the options. Holy crap. That is awesome. Right, yeah, and it's like handmade so CD cover. I, I I almost bypassed that all because I was so excited. I was like, I gotta get this today, you know. And and I was I was like, wait a minute. I actually had the digital version in my uh, in my shopping cart, and then I scrolled down and I was like, wait, oh, I want this. 
because I know how that works. You know, when you create a handmade piece of art, you, you, like that's like somebody's, uh, you know, like they stayed up late. You know, like there's a story behind uh -huh. that, even if you don't know what the story is. You know, like there's somebody's blood, sweat, and tears involved in that, and so. Uh, you know, if that if that work is going to be created, then that's what I want if I can get it. That is freaking sweet. It's like, oh man, I've never done anything that cool. I hadn't even tried that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's kind that of like awesome. the total package for him because he's, you know, it, if you go back to that Grolic's Knights episode, he talks about it. He talks about how he isn't just a musician; he's also an artist. But he's not just an artist; he's also a musician. And so, I feel like this is a good opportunity to get a little bit of both worlds there. Yeah, and, it's, it, yeah, it's like the perfect marriage of, of both in this. And he doesn't do anything halfway, so I'm pretty excited about seeing how this comes out. And uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as the EP itself goes, I feel like it's very personal. I feel like uh, if you listen to our interview with him, he he kind of mentioned a little bit of self consciousness about you know, will no more Kings fans dig it? And I think if you've been listening to his music, and if you've been listening to the things that he said about this solo project coming out, uh, I don't think you'll be surprised that it's a little bit different, but not in any way that will turn you off. You know, it's different in a good way. It's different in a very personal way. And I'm really enjoying it. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop since it came out a couple of days ago <laughs> as we're recording. Nice. So nice. I, I definitely recommend checking it out. You know, if nothing else, go to DosPD.com and, you know, like he posts uh, vlogs and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, take a look. If it's for you, definitely consider uh, checking it out and, and listening to it. And it'll probably be available on Spotify at some point. But, you know, if you can support him, uh, do so now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, buy his music. Buy his music, stream it on Spotify later, but buy his music. Yeah, yeah. If you can, that's always the better option. To all our American friends at the EMC Podcast Network, this is Roman and Rob of the Roman Podcast with a message for you. We understand you're worried about the upcoming elections, whether it's your freakishly small hands, your love for pantsuits, or your independent lack of interest. Some of you may be considering moving to Canada. Regardless of what side of the political fence you fall on, the Roman Podcast is here to help. We've put together a thorough package to help you transition from loud American to meek and polite Canadian. When you come over the border, you'll be supplied with a tabernacle meal plan, heavy on the Tim Hortons, maple syrup, and poutine. Also, you'll be receiving Canada's best-selling novel, 101 Ways to Apologize for Everything. And finally, you get the password to cross the border. The password is the word password. Sorry, we were meaning to change that. So EMC American friends, bring the NFL, leave behind the guns, and we'll cover the healthcare. It's about time you move up here, eh? This message brought to you by the Roman Podcast. Neither one of us has seen Suicide Squad. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't How, know why we don't care. Why why don't we care, Randy? <laughs> I think that question perfectly like illustrates it. Like why why don't we care? We should care. Uh, we don't. And, and that's the thing, like, you know, and I've said it many times on the show, 
I think I said it on the Garlic Spites episode this last month. Like, I'm a DC fan. I'm a DC reader. It's it's not a case of like, oh, Marvel fanboy or this fanboy. Like, I'm a DC fan. I read almost, I read enough DC where you could almost say I exclusively read DC. I read some other indie stuff, but like, that's the stuff I want to see. Like, but after Batman v Superman and then just all the crap, I was actually somewhat interested to see what happened with Suicide Squad. But after Batman v Superman, we started to hear, oh, the reshoots and this and that. And, and you know, you can go back and listen. And I was like, that's never a good sign. It means the studio is starting to meddle. And that could go badly because it means they're overreacting. And, right. and not to judge it before seeing it, but from everything I've heard about Suicide Squad, it just sounds like it's turning out it turned out exactly like i expected it would it's just like you know they they recut it to like i don't know just the whole trailer having the trailer company recut big parts of the movie to make it more whatever like it sounds moronic to me so i'm not excited i'm i'm not going to hate on it like i'm i'm curious but i'm not going to pay money to go see it in the theater i i think i think you just hit on it it's like i can't hate on it if i haven't seen it you know, you're you're right. <laughs> it's almost a defense mechanism. You're right. Like, you know what? Suicide Squad could be great. I haven't seen it. It's better than being like, oh, God, what a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, the thing that, that I've heard is, like, apparently the Suicide Squad soundtrack is really good or it's really selling well. And I'm like, uh, I don't go to movies because it's a really good music video. You know what other movie had a great soundtrack? Spawn. <laughs> oh, boy. See what happened Stealth. there? <laughs> Stealth had a good soundtrack because Incubus was involved, but uh, that was a bad movie about a plane that was also a robot. <laughs> what? Stealth? <laughs> Stealth. If you, I've if never you seen, seen it, don't go to it. We went to it in theater because we knew that there was good music involved. Oh, man. It, that's not a good enough reason to go. No. No. Sorry, Suicide Squad. Not a good, not a good enough reason. No, maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll get a director's cut. Well, and I joked on Twitter, but I'm kind of serious. Like, it'll be out on Voodoo pretty soon. It's got to be. Yeah, like Batman and V Superman. Of course, we mentioned that too. We were like that. They they were kind of writing like all the hype and talk about it, but that was out on video quick. Yeah. Um, what's the old, they've been talking about the ultimate edition before it ever I think it I think they talked about the ultimate edition before it released <laughs> which should have been our first indicator indication yeah and subconsciously I think it was <laughs> Bonsai, I get get out of here you want to be a spider buggy <laughs> oh um he's just he'll tape, his, he'll tape your legs together <laughs> 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 so you fit in a spider buggy. In a spider buggy. Scale model. That's not weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't know. I've just... You're right. It'll be out on video soon. So I'm not in a huge rush to see it. You know, Justice League. I'll, I'll go see that. I'm curious because... Uh, I don't know why. It's still Scott Snyder. Not Scott Snyder. It's still Zack Snyder. <laughs> not the same. There's the good Snyder and the bad Snyder when it comes to comic books. <laughs> it's like good cop, bad cop. Yeah. 
like Scott Snyder comes in and you feel really good about Batman. Zack Snyder comes in and you're like, oh, this uh, guy, can I get a cigarette? And you know, talking talking to Robert last on the Grolix Bites, it, it it occurred to me like we the conversation kind of like twisted around to a point where it made me think it's like when I was younger, I just wanted like some dark, gritty Batman. Give me some dark Batman, just ridiculously depressing and violent. But then like with the killing joke and with Batman v Superman, we actually get it. And I'm like, how did they, how did they mess that up? Why is this wrong? Like what happened? (laughs) (laughs) So that's Suicide Squad folks. (laughs) (laughs) A movie most of you have seen, but we refuse to, I mean, we're delaying the inevitable. You know, and there's a couple times I've almost gone. I've almost gone to the theater a couple times to go see it. And then I was like, you know what? Nah, I'll just not. Yeah, I've I've mentioned it a few times. And and really, at this point, I'm like, we're closer to seeing it on direct-to-digital than not. So unless I'm going to, like, the super-duper cheap, like, $5 movie theater or less, mm-hmm. then, yeah, I'm just going to wait at this point. And I'll get more content. Honestly, if I wait, I will actually get more content. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, you know, and to be fair, like, I hope it's good. I'm sure, yeah. you know, I hope it comes out. I hope I enjoy it because we know people, you know, like we talked about Dustin in the pre-show. He really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and the fat boy and Captain Llama boys, like, I think they were split on it. One of them enjoyed it and the other one not so much. So, like, it's not being universally slammed. Like, we know people that do enjoy it. So, you know, I hope I'm one of them. but. I'm worried that I won't be, so we'll see. I'll, I'll go into it with an open mind, but you know, I won't. I mean, yeah, I will too. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, you know, and I think there are people like this, but I don't think there's as many people like this as internet people like to think. I'm not going to go into something wanting to hate it or expecting to hate it. And then even if it's, even if it's Wait, enjoyable, you don't work for uh, rotten tomatoes. <laughs> Warner brothers owns a large portion of rotten tornado tomato, <laughs> tomatoes. This discussion. I love it. It's insane. Like people are crazy. Yeah. They have a vendetta. It's insane. Rotten tornadoes or tornadoes. <laughs> rotten tornadoes. <laughs> rotten, rotten tornado. You just came up with the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten tor- now, now, tomatoes. Now, rotten shark. Uh, rotten sharknadoes. That's the whoa. Like, don't trust that that website at all. And it's like it's not the website. It's not this central thing like steering uh, critics to to judge one way or the other. It it just takes like the general consensus based on a bunch of critics and puts them together. Like, here's the average. Here's what critics are saying, and you know. And then the idea that all critics get together and conspire against a certain movie, it's just insane. What's wrong with people? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened to that conversation either. <laughs> this is a unique episode, I can tell. <laughs> Who knew? Mel is the anchor. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like It feels like we're just off the tracks from the get-go. <laughs> she actually reels us in. <laughs> I would have guessed. I would have thought maybe like the other, like she she contributed to us going off the rails. But no, I think you're right. I think she keeps us grounded. <laughs> do do we want to? Uh, we have a show. 
We have a show today. We have a show. You might not know it. You might not know <laughs> you it. You might be wondering where it went. <laughs> it's, it's, it hasn't got here yet. Here it's coming. Uh, speaking of comic books that were turned into movies. Wow, good one. Yeah. Um, so our poll list, uh, let's see. We'll, we'll announce our next poll list here in a second. And no, let's do it now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we do shows all the time. We did we did a spawn commentary. What 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 what's wrong with us? Yeah, that's that's true. That was very much like this setup. Okay. So here in a moment we're gonna talk about Scott Pilgrim Volume One. Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. I kinda hate that title. But Yeah. But before that, let's talk about what we're gonna talk about next month. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I actually have computer in front of me so I can look up what's currently leading. I, I have it. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, this won't be any surprise because it's been the leader, I think, all month. Uh, Preacher is our number one with 20% of the vote. Oh, nice. We've got a, we've got a, a second place, still is Kingdom Come, and then we have like a tie, a three-way tie for third. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Thor. Thor, the goddess of thunder, come up out of come up at, from below to uh, tie up Superman's secret identity in the tick. Interesting. Hmm. Well, and then uh, kind of the I don't, I don't, dark horse, I would say, out of nowhere, we've got witches, which is already above one, two, three, four different titles. So Yeah, four titles that have been on the list for a long time. A long time, yeah. Well, I mean, Civil War and Infinity Gauntlet, not as much, but still a while, mm -hmm. so... Some interesting stuff on the poll. So if you want to contribute to the poll list, go to GrawlixPodcast.com. Look for poll list on our on the top bar, our menu bar there, mm -hmm. and uh, the poll is right there. If you don't like what you see, you can click on Other and write in your title. Yeah. If you don't know the poll list, you vote on it, and then whichever wins, as you just heard, Preacher just, just got uh, picked, um, we will read that the coming month and talk about it next episode. Um, I'm excited to read, uh, talk about preacher. I believe I've read that. Uh, Melanie's read it. Have you, I have not. So Ooh. I will Ooh. be totally in the dark on this. Fun. You guys will school me. Fun. <laughs> I haven't read much beyond the first volume. I, it, this just says preacher, but we're going to read the first, whatever the first collected trade is. Right. I don't think I've read beyond that. Melanie, I think's read the whole thing. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be fun to talk about that. And oh, does Preacher have an end, or is it still going? No, it's 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 over. I'm pretty sure. Oh, see, I don't know anything mm -hmm. about it. So, oh, it's old. It's old by now. It's uh... oh, I know, oh, I know. <laughs> I've heard of it. I've heard of this Preacher thing. I've heard heard tell somewhere that they made a TV show of it from ninety five, nineteen ninety five to two thousand. Oh my God, it started over twenty years ago. Wow, sixty-six ep uh, episodes, issues plus we five still specials. Have a TV show? Is, it, is there still a TV show, or is it uh, canceled? There is still a TV show. <laughs> it was actually it was announced. I, somebody at AMC must have liked it because it was announced before the end of the first season that it would had already been approved for a second season. So you're saying it's doing better than Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, that I don't know. I, oh, okay. I I, <laughs> I I I wonder. I wonder. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I see. I did hear like you hear a little bit of people like a little. You'll hear a couple podcasts mention it here and there, but I didn't hear as much talk about preacher as I had expected. Right. So I'm hoping it does 
pull in more people because the show I thought was fantastic. It, it, mm. I think it would actually lend itself to being binged better than week to week. Well, that's, and that's what I always intended to do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like, uh, staying on top of it at the time was just not going to happen. Yeah. So, I, I always kind of thought, ah, this would be something that I could buy a whole season of and then watch. I thought it was great. And at this point, you could watch the whole first season of Preacher and not get spoiled on too much of what happens in volume one of Preacher. Because for the most part, I mean, they pull some stuff that happens in uh, at the beginning of the Preacher comic book series. But for the most part, the entire season one of the TV show is almost like a prequel leading up to oh, the beginning of the okay. comics. So I would be more I would actually be more worried that the first season of TV would maybe steal too much from future volumes because it seems like they like to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like um like if you watch The Flash, I mean in that first season so much happens. Um well and even Walking Dead a little bit like seems to pick <laughs> which is crazy considering like as a TV show they have to look at the long game too. But they seem to pick like elements from different time periods in the comics, uh, from what I understand. But anyway, we're not talking about we're not talking about <laughs> what any are of we that. talking about? <laughs> now we're gonna shift gears and talk about Scott Pilgrim, Volume One, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. Uh, Scott Pilgrim was written with art by Brian Lee O'Malley. He did everything. <laughs> did everything. He did everything. He wrote it and did the art. Yep, and the covers, and uh, it's his baby. It's currently released by Oni Press. So, I mean, people are should be aware of what this is. There was the uh, the movie directed by Shaun of the Dead director. Oh, uh, oh, Edgar Wright. Yes, Edgar Wright. Yeah, I had never read any Scott Pilgrim before. I had seen the movie, and yeah, I thought it was okay. Had you read any of this before? I had not, and so... My like my movie connection to it, I actually kind of respected the movie more. I don't know why, but I kind of respected the movie more because now I realize just how true it was. I like mm-hmm. I feel like the movie almost suffers from we're really really true to the comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had message messaged me something kind of interesting about um. Not that it's like the not that it's the comics fault, but it almost felt like the movie's so close it almost felt you like you've read this already. Exactly. Yep. I enjoyed this. I, I kind of enjoyed this more than I thought. Like I didn't think I, I, I wasn't gonna like it, but and, and and you're right, the movie's very close. It it sticks to the book super close. But something about I think it might be a combination of like the character how the characters are presented and the casting. Like I kind of appreciate the writing more in the comic book right it's not so much i mean like they're almost frame for frame doing the comic in the movie but it somehow feels like a parody at times yeah yeah i I just like how how it comes across in the book more i hear people say scott pilgrim is he's a jerk and he they're right (laughs) I see what they're saying <laughs> yeah. now. Like he is the main character is it's not that he's not likable, but he is a jerk and, but he's just like a dude who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Sometimes they make him just an Uber idiot. And 
I don't know. I didn't love everything about the writing in this. Like I liked, I, for the most part, I liked it. Uh, there's some things like, like the gay roommate. I think it hits that nail too many times. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Sure. Like it's okay. But- Just like the movie a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But there was something about how that character was played in the movie that made it almost all right. I don't know. Like that character was genuinely likable in the movie. And I don't know if he was as likable in the comic. Yeah. And for the most part, like that's it's, he's just very one note. It's just that. Yeah. Almost all the time that. And he's the gay roommate who owns everything. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, also looking at the art here. I read the colorized version. Oh, so I don't know if that, because it was originally originally black and white, and uh, I read whatever version was on my humble bundle. Surprise, surprise, listeners. So yeah, originally, <laughs> like looking at the art, it's it's originally you know it's black and white. It's it's very like I mean high contrast black and white. It's like a, a like a strip style. It's not a lot of shading or anything. Oh yeah, mine's mine's colorized as well. Which I think it was colored. I could be wrong, but I think it was colored by the original artist, the creator. Um, so it's not like some weird thing that he didn't want to have done to it. And it's not like it's colored like over the top. It's pretty flat. I mean, it's pretty. It's still pretty comic strip style. Yeah, the characters have a kind of um, almost anime look, uh, anime kind of cartoon look. Very big eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very like clean design the characters yeah i thought it looked good it seemed appropriate for the story yeah i remember them remember the movie being super colorful so right right so this really okay so if you've seen the movie and you haven't seen the book this first volume covers up to just after he fights uh, i don't think this is any kind of spoiler the first boyfriend the first ex-boyfriend yeah, right right that's that's the cutoff basically i was actually a little surprised at like maybe it's not fair to, it's it's it almost feels like I, I could be more objective if I hadn't seen the movie. But I was a little surprised that it didn't cover more in this first volume. But that's not to say there's not a lot here. Right. And there's even some stuff in here that isn't covered in the movie. I don't want people to feel like, oh, well, just watch the movie. Because there is stuff in here, but it's so, like, that movie really is so true to the, at least this opening material that it's pretty hard to say it's not, you know. And I think the characters, the characterization, I think the characters and the writing benefits from the look of the characters in the comic. You know what I mean? I mean, that might yeah. be part of why I think I reacted to this better than I remember reacting to the movie. Um, I like the look of it. Brian Lee O'Ma- O'Malley, he he also does some fun, like, the first song the band plays, like, he yes. includes, like, the chords on the guitar and the lyrics and like, so you could play that song if you wanted. I'd love yeah. that. I was really surprised by that. I was like, wow, that's, that's great. The actual song is there. Was that could guitar tabs basically? Yeah. And he's even like, it's just these three chords because they're not very good. <laughs> so you'll be able to play it type thing. And I, <laughs> for, that's for, great. For rock fat, fast, hard and sloppy. <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought that was great. Um, and then, yeah, just stuff like that. Like uh, you mentioned the, the roommate owns, everything in the house and they've got that one page where it's uh basically shows the apartment and it's like you know their ownership diagram that's what it says and you know the futon wallace throw lug throw rug wallace like he owns everything except for like the lame poster on the wall is scott 
And right. Shoes lying around as Scott. Just stuff like that. I thought that was a fun page. The whole relationship between Scott and uh, Kim, it, it, I, there's certain subtext that's available in the comic that I don't feel was really there in the movie. Like you, They, they kind of spell it out for you in the movie. They're like, oh, yeah, they dated. But in the comic, it's like it's more subtle than that. Like you'll see a scene where they're all like where the where Sex Bob-omb, the band is all hanging out and they're like hanging out on a bed and one of them's on the computer. But then there's Kim and she's got her legs across uh, Scott Pilgrim. And it's like, oh, so it's there's some history here. They're very close, but we don't get what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And the movie was very blatant about about yeah. spelling that out and then just kind of moved on from it too mm-hmm. i found a lot of it charming i like the writing i like the characters even if like the roommates kind of one note and stuff like that for the most part i like the characters interacting when there's pages of just like them sitting around like the kitchen or something like i thought that was a lot of that was really fun so one of the things I wanted to talk about specifically with you is that this thing is basically based on like a Japanese samurai type of story where basically Scott Pilgrim's got a battle with seven samurai or not, not really, but yeah, yeah, no, you're right though. You're right. Seven, seven evil exes kind of thing. And they set that up in this first uh, trade mm-hmm. or this first volume. So do you think that, I mean, like if that's the, that's the idea how'd they do did all right i guess like it's it's hard to say because the characters for the most part like in some of the samurai movies and stuff and that's like you know that's the material i have any experience with there is the samurai movies um there is usually a scoundrel and in this case that definitely seems like scott but it's hard to say like you know draw parallels between characters and and characters from traditional samurai stuff, but it kind of makes sense because it's like people fighting for like, there's not really any reason for it other than maybe a little bit of an honor thing. I actually hadn't even thought of it that way. Well, and the only reason I, I mention it is because I think it's brought up in some of the additional content, like at the end of the color edition. Oh, okay. Okay. I think it's in that, like in the back, they show like concept sketches for how the characters were supposed to look. And I think he, he says, basically he was looking at this, you know, it's, that's why there's seven, uh, seven evil exes. There's, you know, seven of those seven samurai, that kind of thing. So I'm looking at the entry on comicbookresources.com for this. Uh huh. And it features a whole lot of pages. Like you get a first, like the whole first chapter on here. <laughs> which is crazy. It is. It's the whole first chapter. So when the fighting does start, uh, it's kind of like when they introduce the whole, like uh, Romana's shortcuts, there's no like lead into that. It's just all of a sudden like, Oh, you didn't know Scott's the best fighter in the world. <laughs> oh, and they're just yeah, suddenly just, battling. And it's like, what? what? Yeah. It's all matter of fact. And that's kind of everything. Like, the fact that she like just travels through his head, like through his dream space, in order to deliver packages for Amazon Canada. Yeah, his mind is a <laughs> is a is a like a quick shortcut through the what was it sub I don't know some kind of hyperspace whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just referred to matter of factly. Yeah, it's all very dry. Like oh yeah, this 
Well, don't think too much of it. I, I just use your brain as a shortcut. I think I almost expected to be annoyed by this. Because like I said, I mentioned earlier the title, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. I kind of oh, yeah. hate, hate that title because it just reminds me of like that certain kind of snark. And I was like, oh, it's going to be just super heavy that. Which a little bit of that is fine. But I, I, I didn't find it was necessarily that was necessarily the case. I enjoy that the even already in this first volume, the relationship between Romana and, and Scott is complicated and it's not like it's not like some ideal romantic thing like yeah they're not totally on the same page or anything yeah it's kind of messy they're not head over heels for each well he kind of is but but we kind of see him head over heels for whoever's the current yeah girlfriend anyways so and the whole thing with knives and he he's he's avoiding that situation um after romana comes into it uh and that makes him unlikable, but this is probably more telling of me, but I kind of get where he's coming from. Yeah. He's just avoiding it, which is not the way to handle it, but it's, that's what he's handling, how he's handling it. <laughs> that's how you, that's how you handle it when you're more passive than you should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you don't want to cause a stir. So rather than do the right thing, you do the wrong thing. <laughs> I did enjoy the emails that the ex-boyfriend was sending to Scott that he kept ignoring. <laughs> He's just like, oh, this is so boring. <laughs> he, he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's, I think there's a lot of good humor in it. It, it yeah. I enjoyed the read-through quite a bit. I can definitely see why uh, there, there was kind of this whole thing where everybody was like, Scott Pilgrim, you know, like, I, re I remember when this kind of came out and people were talking about it. And I can see why, because it's different. It's not like everything else that we were getting in the comic world. It's not even like manga comics at the time, you know, like it's, it's kind of its own thing. Yeah. Like you can tell there's definitely elements of, of, of manga and the video game influences that the movie had are here. Right. Uh, he collects coins after he beats up the boyfriend. <laughs> and the fact that it's like not, it's minuscule. It's, it's worth, it's barely worth noting like, Oh, it's not even enough to get me home. Yeah. He just does it. And it's like <laughs> accepted as like, yeah, okay. And yeah, he's disappointed by it. And it's, it's not necessarily like the movie where it's like video game coins. It's just like some coins fall on the ground and he picks them up. Oh, right. He's yeah. like, what is good? What? <laughs> I just, yeah. The, it, them making it so like matter of fact, made that all the more enjoyable i think i think i like the movie more now because i've read this yeah i'm very interested to rewatch the movie i i actually i want to read more of the book to see if it deviates because i feel like maybe the movie starts picking up the pace more than the books do i and maybe not because this was really true to the first volume like the first part of the movie pretty spot on mm -hmm. to the first for the first volume but i feel like it starts really ramping up in speed and i wonder how the actual conflict goes down because that felt really rushed in the movie oh and also the band <laughs> opens before them towards the end of the book that knocks the audience out <laughs> oh yeah i love that was that in the movie i don't recall i don't, it probably I don't, was, I don't think but... that was i don't know they knocked the audience out and 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 sex bombs like we're supposed to play after them. What are they doing? Oh, just wait. Yeah, no, I minutes. think they win. I think they win the, that little battle of the bands or whatever. Yeah. I actually just watched this movie not that long ago. And then 
this popped up on the list. So it's kind of hard to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, and, and I mentioned it before, uh, initially, who is it that's who? Who's Scott in the movie? Is it Michael Sarah or is it Michael? Michael Sarah? Because I, I actually had to double check that. My IMDb page is up because I almost called him Lex Luthor. <laughs> oh yeah, not that one. Not that. Uh, not that one. No. Yeah. Oh, other guy. Not other that awkward inner, guy. Nervous, awkward. Yeah, skinny white guy. <laughs> I like Michael Sarah, and I can't think of who would have been a better casting for 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 this. But I kind of don't think he's perfect as Scott Pilgrim. Right. Like having yeah. read, I mean, and this is just based on this a little bit. The Scott Pilgrim I read in the book doesn't come across as a Michael Sarah type to me. I mean, he is kind of he's awkward for sure, but the book Scott is a little more goofy, you know? Yeah. A little more self-assured too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Michael Sarah really played up the I don't know what I'm doing thing, which is I I feel like that's a decent way to approach Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. because I don't feel like Scott Pilgrim knows what he's doing, but I also don't feel like he's awkward about it. I feel like he just does it. Yeah. He's he, like, no, this is, this is fine. And everybody's calling him on it and he's just not listening. Yeah, exactly. He's more headlong. He just kind of does it. You're yeah, you nailed it. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Again, there's, you know, a couple little things. It's not perfect, but, I enjoyed it. It's a super quick read. Oh, yeah. I was uh, astonished. I, I think I sent you a message about it because after <laughs> New Frontier and after Crisis on Infinite Earths, I was like, oh, I'm done with this. Uh, uh, what else should I be reading? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I finished this. Oh, man. I knocked out a whole bunch ago? of books on my uh, on my backlog list because of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I think I mentioned in the pre-show. Even though we're not talking about the Invisibles just yet, we're going to hold off on that. I started reading Invisibles this month. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yeah, what am I going to read? Well, I, I, guess I'll read I read uh, Valiant Comics Faith because Ooh. I had it. I'm, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I, I have time to read comics. I'm going to probe you about that here in a, in a few minutes. I'm curious oh, about it. All right. Um, and by probe, I mean, how is it? <laughs> but but I figure we. <laughs> I figure we can we can wrap up Scott Pilgrim first. I feel like there's probably more that could be talked about it, but I don't know what else to cover. It's just well, you're like my impressions. Looking at it, is this a book that I would have uh, sought out? I don't know. I don't. I don't think this is one that I would have put on my pull list. But I'm glad that we read it. It's got its own little place. Yeah, one of those indie comics that kind of broke through, and that's really cool. And there's a lot about it I like, so I'm glad we did it. But it it it's not necessarily something that I would go out and and get for myself. But I'm glad it came up on the list. It was a quick read. I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I would continue reading more of the volumes. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think I might actually like the books better than the movie once this is all said and done. And I it. it it opens another question, which I would love to get some listener feedback on. If you read uh, Scott Pilgrim and then saw the movie, what'd you think? Like, did you like it? Was it true to the comic? Because I feel like this first volume was, but maybe as someone who read it long term, you feel totally different about it. Yeah, it, it, it's that's kind of the downside to us talking about it is we can't come at it from that perspective. And obviously, we're having a hard time separating the movie from from it. I think some fans kind of have beef with the movie, but I think the movie changes 
the ending of the whole story significantly. Okay. I wondered about that. Yeah, I think the movie changes the ending quite a bit, and I think that's part of what people don't like about it. I'm not even sure who, which one he picks in the end of the movie. It's been so long. I think I remember, oh, yeah. but I'm not sure. So, folks, uh, hashtag Grolix Cares. Let us know. What do you think? Anytime you have a straight comic question or thought, hashtag Grolix Cares. Because we do. Yep, we do, and we want to hear what you think. Uh, d- and you wanted to talk about faith? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, uh, it's it's faith about faith. <laughs> hey about faith hey about faith what's that song you gotta have faith yeah <laughs> george, george michael and uh was it uh limp biscuit oh boy <laughs> speaking of flip phones we're taking it back <laughs> um i feel like we've already fred durst this whole episode so that's oh all boy <laughs> i did it all for the <laughs> um <laughs> wait what so, so faith is a comic book I keep hearing about. I mean, it's not like everywhere, but you know, I hear it mentioned and it kind of piqued my interest, but I have not checked it out and you are reading it. I am reading it and I'm pretty close to current on at least the first two volumes of it. It's uh put out by Valiant Comics and uh yeah, it's it got some news because it was touted as the first ever plus size superheroine. And really that doesn't come up in the comic at all. And that's kind of why I like it. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not about that at all. It's, she happens to be plus size, but she's basically just a person that all of a sudden has superpowers and she's already, she's like us. She's a fan of comic books and, and what superheroes do. And so she's approaching being a superhero sort of through the fan of someone who's already a fan of being a superhero kind of thing. So it's a little bit meta, but uh, I recently read the first volume of faith, uh, which is called, was that Hollywood, Hollywood and vine, I believe. And then right now the current, uh, that was basically a mini series, and now they have an ongoing series called Faith. And uh, I've, I'm two issues into that. I think maybe the third issue just came out a week or two ago, and so I'm waiting for that to be delivered currently. But I'm really enjoying it because it's it it is that it is basically what I just described. It's that kind of almost meta description of what it's like. Uh, being a fan of superheroes and then all of a sudden boom you're in it and it's kind of like kick-ass in that you know like kick-ass is a fan who just wants to be a superhero Mm -hmm. and do superhero things but faith is like that but she actually has a power and she's a little less violent about it she's a little bit more you know like that the consequences of her i don't want to say the consequences of her actions are are more poignant to her but they almost are you know like like in in uh kick-ass's world it's basically like he goes and he does these things and then he's just rewarded for them no matter how violent they are whereas with uh faith she's really cognizant of the fact that this is the real world and people could get hurt but she's got a superpower so it's not the real world but it's approaching it that way which is kind of cool so I've I've really been enjoying it, and and what I really like about it is that she is she is written like a person that I could relate to, 
like she has her superhero uh, crushes kind of thing. Like basically, she's a fan of Chris Evans. They don't call him Chris Evans, but they call him <laughs> like Chris something, and he's clearly Chris Evans. So, oh nice! Like I, I thought that was pretty fun and charming, and I've really been enjoying it. And I've actually put down books that I was reading uh, in order to continue reading this. So, like right now, what I've been reading mostly has been Faith and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like those are the two that I've been reading the most, in lieu of other things that I've been pretty current on. Like I put down the Flash. <laughs> like I felt bad when you guys were talking about Flash Rebirth because Flash is the one thing that I've been current on, and you guys know more about it than I do. <laughs> do you like drama? Drama makes me emotional. That's what it's supposed to do. It's drama. It's dramatic. Do you like comedy? Do you like comedy? I love comedy, Johnny. It's the best thing there is. It takes your mind off all your troubles in your world. You know that there are children starving in Africa right now. Is that a joke? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Do you like Alyssa you Milano like Alyssa and Doctor Who? Like Doctor I love Alyssa Milano. She's like my favorite actress. I love Alyssa Milano too, but I think I might love Doctor Who more than Alyssa Milano. That is because you're a nerd. Yeah, I am. Drinking in the Park with Neil and Johnny, the internet's only Doctor Who Who's the Boss podcast. Except for that Dutch one. What a bunch of weirdos. Listen on neilandjohnny.com, droidscanada.com, and on the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Bananas. On the faith thing, I was curious about it because, and I'm glad to hear hear you talk about it that way, because... I think initially, because it's like, it's a heavy set woman superhero was kind of like, I figured the reason I first started hearing about it and that could go either way. It's like, well, is that, yeah. is it like the token heavy set, uh, woman superhero? Like that's not a good way to approach it. And it doesn't seem like that's how it's been. But then beyond that, I kept hearing people mention it and seeing it referenced. And I'm like, oh, well, well, good. It, it, it sounds like it's actually well written and it doesn't just, harp on that that note. and she is she is part of a team initially and i don't know any of that backstory like i'm interested to go back and and read it i think it's harbinger is the title where she's on a team I, I could be wrong about that because again i haven't read that i've only read the faith comics but she was initially part of a team and now she is doing her solo run and I, I was pleasantly surprised because that is all the press that we had heard about it is that she's the plus size superhero. So check it out. And uh, that's not the case at all. When you read it, like it doesn't come up. She's just a person. That's good. That's good. She's, she's drawn as a plus size person, but that doesn't really play into it at all. Like sh she's just a person. She's got a job you know, she lives in LA. She's like, she's recently relocated to LA. She's got her ex-boyfriend that she's like, not really dealing with, but like, like the aftermath of, of having an ex-boyfriend, like she's coming to grips with that. And at the same time, trying to make a new life for herself in LA and she's a superhero and she's also, you know, just trying to be a person. And, I don't know. I just really kind of enjoyed it. It's kind of meta 
kind of meta, but not not in the Deadpool way, where it's like, hey, I'm breaking the fourth wall right now. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's meta. <laughs> look, look, that's like 16 walls. <laughs> and, and again, I love that movie, but yeah. It's not like over the, it's not hitting you over the head with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Deadpool is like the example of super meta and wallowing in it. You know, yeah, like we're surprised it. he gets away with it, but he does kind of thing. Yeah. I, I was going to say, what have you been reading? But I, you've been reading a lot of Rebirth, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been reading DC. Um, Actually, this last, what is, uh, I'm behind, I'm behind now. Oh. Yeah, right now I'm at one week behind. I just haven't read any any of the comics from this last week, but for the most part, I'm caught up on Superman, Justice League, Detective, Batman, All Star Batman, The Flash. Um, those are the main ones. Main ones I'm caught up on. I fell behind on Green Lanterns. So, so you're saying you don't know the whole of the DC universe? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> One thing that I didn't get to talk about that I kind of regret I didn't get to talk about with Robert on Garlic's Bites was Detective Comics, because there was a couple issues I like kind of had to like hurry up and binge to get current before I talked to Robert, and that was one of them. Detective Comics is really good right now. Oh. Between all the... Because with Rebirth, there were three Batman titles. There's All-Star Batman, uh, Batman, and then Detective, of course, the two main titles. And, De- and All-Star is Snyder... Batman is Tom King. Who's doing Detective? James Tinian. Let me double check this. Yeah, it's James Tinian, uh, the fourth, uh, who who popped up a lot in Scott Snyder's uh, Batman run. He'd do a lot of like backups and stuff like that, and then he he'd basically a pop up in a lot of um a lot of the Batman universe type books. Uh, Batman and Batman Eternal. He wrote a big chunk of that and stuff like that. Detective was actually the one Batman book I was least looking forward to because it's the one where Batman puts together a, a team. Uh, basically, he asks Batwoman to like um, co-lead this team with him. And Batwoman's okay, but I've never really been a big fan of Batwoman. Right. And then the team consists of Red Robin, who's Tim Drake, who's, you know, Tim Drake. Ooh. Um, see, now my interest has peaked. <laughs> and, oh, man, did you? What, what else is he? What else is Tim Drake doing? Is is this it basically? Um, I don't want to give spoilers, but there's definitely oh. big Tim Drake stuff going on in Detective. Oh, now I need another book. He, uh, Tim Drake, more recently, like he was in t- Teen Titans for a bit. Um, more recently, he had a lot to do with what they were doing with Batman Eternal. Not Batman Eternal, Batman Beyond. I had heard that he was in the future for whatever reason. I think that was. Some result of Future's End or something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's when that whole whole confusing thing started. Who else is on the team? Uh, Orphan, who's like a newer character, but awesome. Like she's just this like quiet, crazy ninja chick. Who else? Spoiler, the character spoiler. Uh, who is Stephanie? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. And then she was Robin for a minute. Yeah, and... a whole minute. In the new 52 continuity, she's just been spoiler, but I know she's a character a lot of people liked. They um, was she, was she Batgirl at some point too? She she played very uh heavily into the Tim Drake Robin run. 
Okay. And so, like, they they interacted a lot. She was Robin for a minute, but I don't know if she was ever Batgirl. Oh, okay, okay. And then also, um, Clayface. Oh, Clayface is on the team. Clayface right. is on the team. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Weird, right? I, I feel like he would be an asset if you could get him to play ball. And he has been. And honestly, like, they don't focus too heavily on him, but at least the way that he's being written here, he's kind of a great, fun little side character to have on the team, It's which is really weird. But this actually, I think, d- depending where Scott Snyder takes his um, all-star Batman stuff, right now, I think this is my favorite Batman book, Detective Comics. Oh which does not focus primarily on Batman. It's so I weird. I say, like, I can't remember the last time that Detective was my favorite Batman comic. Like, way back when, like, pre-New 52 for sure. Yeah, and, like, the fact that this, this I mean, it's just the one arc. They've finished kind of the, the first arc, but the fact that it is focused primarily on characters that, A, I either don't care for, or characters that I don't know enough about to care for, like Batwoman is like a primary focus of this, of this book. And I think it works. Like it's been really good. You know, there's some interesting, like they've been doing some interesting backstory stuff with her. Uh, there's some okay, like character moments. Like overall, I think, I think Batman has more like the Tom King. Batman has more interesting little character moments between like Bruce and Alfred. But this book is got, I think a more interesting story overall. And yeah, there's some crazy, some crazy uh, Tim Drake stuff happened this last issue. So when well, I I just looked up Stephanie Brown, and uh, you're right, she was Batgirl. She was the third Batgirl. Okay, okay. I didn't even know that, so it makes sense. Where where do you go after Robin? But yeah, Detective Comics has been surprisingly good, and I kind of regret not getting to mention that last on the Grolix Bites. I guess that's it for recent reads. It's been a while since we were able to do. <laughs> yeah, we haven't recent talked reads. recent reads like we usually. I don't know where we've thrown it in. I think we did a recent reads on a bites not too long ago, but we don't get to do recent reads very often. Our other big event for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Our our other topic, since it is October and, um, and we didn't have time to read Luke cage. How how about that? Luke cage. (laughs) Hey, that series really is a thing. I haven't seen yet because it's not out yet. You know, we, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as we record a couple days before it's going to go live. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not on it's not on Netflix yet um as of this recording. So we can't really talk about it. We could try to fake our way through it. I I did watch the trailer right before this and I am super excited about it. Like I think it's going to be awesome. Just from the trailer like him coming out of the whatever I don't know whatever science experiment tube they've got him in. And he's got the tiara from like the seventies. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes. I'm so glad they worked that in. I'm excited for it because at this point, I mean, you can't just blindly trust that everything Netflix does is going to be gold. But at this point, man, like their track record, especially on stuff like this on, on sci-fi and superhero stuff, like their track record is impeccable. Like they've just put so many good series out that I, I can't help but be super excited for it. I'm curious how they're going to tie into Jessica Jones. Like, is this going to be a prequel to Jessica Jones or is this going to be after the fact? Like, yeah, it's not in hell's kitchen anymore. So it could be anywhere. 
you know, like it could be before, it could be after. I feel like I need to go back and rewatch Jessica Jones because I know that Night Nurse is involved, but she was she helped uh, Luke Cage. Basically, they had to call her in, right? Yeah, yeah. After Jessica Jones, so that'll be that'll shot be really telling. Yeah, she shot him in the head with a shotgun point blank. Okay, so th- this has to be after Jessica Jones then, because it feels like they know each other. And they didn't in the show, I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember her indicating that she knew who this guy was. I'm also excited. We've been watching Boardwalk Empire, um, which was an HBO show. I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. ended now, uh, which has been great. But for the most part, that's like the only series right now we're watching. We're kind of slowly making our way through the old episodes of that. But I'm excited for the new shows to start coming back. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. When when is uh when is Flash coming back? Because I'm I'm Jonesing. October fourth. Oh, real real soon. So like after this is aired. The day after this episode goes up. Oh hey, tomorrow you guys can watch the new Flash. I'm jealous of you guys. That's we well, still have a week yeah. and a day to wait. Or a week and two days. Is so do you know the deal with Hulu is Hulu gonna get the? I don't know. I I feel like it's the whole uh, Hangouts thing. Like we're recording on Hangouts, but I didn't think we were able to. Uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna get new Flash, but I don't know when that starts. Yeah, because there they were. Yeah, they were talking about. Okay, well, Hulu is not gonna do it because they want to do streaming through their own CW thing mm-hmm. or CBS or whoever they're sister is yeah no cw has its own app if that's the case that's not so bad because cw apps free but yeah i didn't know like are you going to be able to watch the whole episode free then and how long do you have to wait after the episode airs i'm always at work when this stuff's going i don't get off till right so i hope they don't mess with it too much uh i hope that we're able to see it i know that netflix is going to get it immediately after the season runs yeah, which but, is nice if you want to binge it, but I kind of liked being able to talk about it in the midst of the season. Yeah, exactly. And being online and also doing Grolic stuff, like y- you can't avoid spoilers. So like, I can't wait the whole season. Well, and, and, and it also is kind of an, I mean, like we don't worry about being super timely, but when we talk about this stuff, we don't want to talk about it like, Four months later. Yeah, we're usually maybe an episode behind by the time we talk about something and the episode goes up, but that's different than the whole season. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. I'll feel like I want to talk about it and can't, if that's the case, you know? Yeah. I I feel like we're not in the minority. I feel like a lot of people are watching The Flash via Hulu. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe that's why... Maybe that CW got jealous. Uh, like oh. I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's probably why. And I know that uh, like uh, Supergirl is now on Netflix, so I probably should catch up because you know that's going to actually play in oh, this yeah. season. Yeah. And I feel like if two uh, if two shows are going to play in the most, it's going to be The Flash and Supergirl. Well, yeah. I feel like those two make the most sense together, as opposed to like throwing Supergirl up against the Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Not as much sense. Well, and um, and like the Flash has almost been Supergirl's way into at least the. I mean, it's a little bit different because the Flash went over there when Supergirl was on CBS, but they already have that connection. You know, they've right. already done a crossover, so that definitely seems 
and power set you're right like that just seems like the two shows that are likely to cross over more often i think they're gonna do big four-way crossover this season though i yeah i th- I think why wouldn't you it, at the very least to increase cross promotion between the three shows like that was my beef with the last season of harrow was that okay we get this huge world altering event why wouldn't we involve the flash in this come on and it didn't happen of course because the green arrow has got to be the hero at the end of his own season but I don't know. The season previous, we had the Flash involved, even for a moment. I'll say this. If Hulu doesn't have the rights for this season of CW shows, or they're not, they don't get to do it like they have been, I hope that the CW app, at the very least, the CW app picks it up like Hulu did, if not sooner, because at least as long as I can stand Arrow, I'll watch all four shows. I'll watch, oh, yeah. I'll watch a CW show four nights of the week while these shows are going. Because I'm curious about Supergirl. I know I'm going to watch Flash and Legends of Tomorrow already. And I'm willing to give Arrow another try if they're doing interesting things. But right. But if I have to wait a whole season to get any of them, if they're going to do crossovers, it's a lot harder to try to match it up if you're binging a season of this and then that and then this. Bigger barrier for entry, I think. Yeah. At least in terms of these crossover stuff, it's, it's, it's better to be able to do week to week. So that at least you know you're in line with how the episodes are airing. What a horror show that is. <laughs> <laughs> Two on the nose? No, it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, so this year it's it's October. Uh Halloween is Halloween is coming. And but, it's still hotter than it should be. I'm re- I'm referencing a Patreon video that most people haven't seen. <laughs> people, you need to get on that Patreon. Patreon.com slash Grawlix Podcast. There's good stuff over there, and you're missing it. Uh, speaking of Pete Mitchell, way back in the beginning of this episode, uh, like that's why we have a Patreon. He kind of talked us into it. Yeah. I mean, it's something we had thought about, but yeah, he, he definitely did because we were kind of holding off and waiting, and he was very much like, put it, put it in our heads. It's like, why are we waiting? Let's just put it out there. Yeah. And so that's why there's all sorts of content that you can uh, you can get access to over there for as little as a dollar a month less than you would i mean like there's you're not even missing meals at that price nope <laughs> you know not, not even, even a missing cup, meals. <laughs> well, well you know what i mean i mean you're not ever like forego a cup of coffee one day and you've got extra content to this show mm-hmm. you could probably dig a dollar out of your couch each month <laughs> i could yeah I yeah so this year for Halloween, we didn't want to necessarily talk horror movies again, or at least, you know, that was kind of why I come at because I enjoy, I love talking horror movies. I could, we, you know, I could do that till the, the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> well, those cows are really behind curfew. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not always appropriate on Garlics because we're a comic book podcast. So I'm stealing a little bit of the concept from other podcasts. I check out a lot of other podcasts and I've noticed kind of a subgenre of podcasts that I call pitch shows where mm-hmm. it's either they come up with like their fan fiction version of a movie or something or they're like, you know, like a casting call kind of thing. Yeah. Or yeah. Pitch this. Like, what's the idea? Who's 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 the cast stuff like that and i was like well maybe we could do kind of um a little bit of a pitch uh we don't necessarily have to put creators and stuff to it 
because off the top of my head, I'm not sure who I'd assign to my idea, but what's a pitch for a comic book that would potentially like a horror comic that would be effective or something, either your ideal or just something you'd like to see or something you'd like to see hopefully done well. You know I, I mean? I'm going to say mine's a wish list because I don't know. Yeah, that's I don't know who I don't know how I don't know. I don't even know if it would work or maybe it's a better movie than a comic. I don't know, but I'd love to see it done as a comic because I feel like we need more straight horror comics. I feel like it's still kind of a subgenre that isn't taking off. And that's ironic because that's the whole reason that the horror, that the comics code was created. Yeah. The, like the horror comics back then were a huge driving force between people being like, or at least uh, was used as an example of like, these are terrible for children. This is why we need it. We need a code. We need somebody watching out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Also, since I'm thinking about it, they're along the lines of that. Okay, so there's a podcast called Weird Science DC, and on their feed, oh. there's another podcast called Weird Comics History or something like that. Check out Weird Comics History. They did like an in-depth four or five episode history of how the comics code uh, come into being, and it's incredible. They spent like the first two episodes before they even get to the code being established, setting up like all the people involved with, you know, who's this guy, who is this guy, like all the people involved in the undergoings of how this came about. And they go through the whole history of the comics code up to it pretty much being abolished in, it wasn't even till like 2005 or something that it was officially broke up. But yeah, anyway, wanted to give a quick shout out since you mentioned that something I've been meaning to mention on the show. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I know. I think that ties in really well to what we're talking about because, it, like I said, it is. It's it's the reason we have a, had a comics code, and the the comics code pretty much destroyed the horror genre for decades. In yeah, it, it's it, it's probably a big reason why I'm having a hard time drawing up ideas on what you know what's successful now because I I feel like people are still probably holding back. Well, in some form. And one thing, one thing that bothers me about the whole comics code, obviously it's not a thing that we have to worry about now. They're in a good place, but I mean, I, th- I, it feels like it stunted the emotional growth of comics for decades. I feel like comics would be in a much different place at this point in time. If, if the, and I'll say the art form or the, the storytelling um, medium would have been allowed to evolve and mature at its own natural rate instead of just being stunted for decades not being able to not being able to even mention stuff like zombies and dracula and stuff like that like just silly things yeah the bad guys always have to get their comeuppance by the end of each issue stuff like that it's like that hurts storytelling although you know i think we're at a good place right now terms of comic book storytelling hey guys it's the zigman and zach Tagus, and when you finish it up listening to this great podcast make sure you head on over and check out shotgun wrestling radio that's right we're new to the emt podcast network over at shotgun wrestling radio we give you the latest news in professional wrestling that's right we cover wwe ring of water impact wrestling and more want to know what's going on in the events in the iowa independent scene we cover that too with our pro wrestling calendar that's right zig man not only do we cover that but we also have a wide variety of interviews with pro wrestlers both past and present all our interviews can be found on our facebook page 
say facebook.com slash shotgun radio and the number one we hope you'll take the time to give us a listen and remember to give us a like and follow on twitter and facebook at shotgun radio and the number one so what 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 do we want to see like we're kind of dancing around what it. are our pitches should i go first you want to go first how, how do i don't you... know i feel like you'll have the better opinion i don't know if i want to follow that oh. <laughs> <laughs> see now you say that and then you'll probably have yeah yeah no no pressure <laughs> you say that you'll probably have some fantastic thing it's it's a pretty basic concept i like universal monsters horror hmm. i don't know how much i'm sure there is i'm sure there's a bunch of universal monsters comics out there but are they good or are they just fan service again and so I would like to see some of those classic monsters done well. And I would say that they haven't even been done well in movies since Abbott and Costello met them. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein or the Wolfman or whatever. Sure. I really, I really want to see a good Wolfman movie. I really want to see a good mummy movie. Those two in particular. And uh, like, not that they haven't been done, but... You know, like a Brendan Fraser mo- mummy movie is not actually the mummy. No. And and even uh, Benicio Del Toro, I think that that was an honest attempt at a werewolf movie, at, at, a, at the Wolfman in particular. And it wasn't bad. Like, it, I actually kind of enjoy it, but it's not universally seen as a good one. I'd like to see something like maybe the mummy and, and make it more of an isolation type of horror where... The mummy is there, and no one really knows who the mummy is. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I, and maybe even take it out of context. So like, obviously, it's still related to ancient Egypt, but maybe the mummy's curse has followed them back to Manhattan, and it's taking place in some kind of a noir kind of situation where people are just dying, and it's almost like like a whodunit, but but it's the mummy, and and it connects to it, and we don't know who the mummy is because maybe the mummy outside of being the mummy is just a normal person. And so what's going on is, is the central drive of it. Or I don't know, some, something with the Wolfman, which would be similar where again, nobody knows who the Wolfman is, is, and maybe it works better with the Wolfman because when he's not the Wolfman, he's just a dude. Yeah. He's just a dude. Yeah. And he could be any of the dudes or ladies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It could be anybody. And so, put it into more of that situation and and uh was it 30 days of night i think it did so much better as a comic and not as a movie like i i think that's that's a comic that that probably really did things well like it it created a, a an environment you know and i think some kind of an isolationist uh lock-in moment like 30 days of night where it's like they're really not going anywhere there's nothing they can do you know they they need to figure this out before they can move on kind of a situation. Almost like a haunted house type of movie mm-hmm. situation where it's like, oh, we're here for the night. <laughs> it was dumb of us to come here in the first place, but we're here. And now we have to deal with it. I feel like let's do that with, with the mummy. Let's do that with the wolf man. Let's, let's strip all that other nonsense that we could take and just get back to brass tacks and make it scary. I'm on board. <laughs> i'm on board for issue number one of of all those the mummy number one <laughs> the, the mummy who done it <laughs> that's the title <laughs> mummy monster uh theater 
No, I like that a lot because I think being, you know, any generation that came after the Hammer horror movies, like the original Hammer horror movies. Um, right. I think, you know, there's a level of cheese to them because uh, movie, horror movies, horror movies, much like I wish comics had earlier, uh, evolved. And, you know, what made it audiences scared at a certain point, it, it seems tame to later audiences. Um, so I like the idea of taking those specific monsters, those versions of those monsters. They're almost like the superheroes of the monster universe, you know, like, yeah. and that's, and that's how they've been treated. And I think that's the injustice of those monsters is that they've even tried to do it where they're like, uh, okay, we're going to take, uh, the mummy and we're going to take Dracula and we're going to make uh, a continued universe just like Marvel did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, like that's what they want to do. And even in like Van Helsing was probably the first where they tried that and it didn't work. And it's like, no, they didn't cross over. <laughs> that's not ever how it worked. They were all there, but they were separate. And that's how it worked. Well, and mentioning Van Helsing is interesting because the movie, I'm assuming we're talking that like super CG fest. Hugh, Hugh Jackman is a superhero monster hunter. Yeah. The movie took, took the, the shared universe superhero concept way too far and forgot yeah. to be any kind of a horror movie. Yeah. Which I haven't seen them, but seems to be the issue with like, what was that? I Frankenstein and Dracula untold. Dracula is the only one I know was supposed to be in it, but I, there was supposed to be a mummy movie that's coming out with Tom Cruise and that's supposed to be part of it too. Well, it's okay. Well, I think, I think the, the Dracula one was supposed to be the first and it did poorly. And I don't know if it's even a thing anymore. Maybe it is. I don't know. So I'm on board with your, your return to horror with the hammer horror characters. I think that's a great idea. And my pitch is, uncannily similar in a lot of oh. aspects there was a lot of things that you said that i was like oh man that's totally okay so mine's the same but different okay i want because now i haven't read any of them so it's probably unfair to say this but i did some research and generally friday the 13th comics are not considered i mean I, there's some that are considered pretty good but my guess is they all fall into like the fan service the freddy versus jason versus ash type thing so I want a Friday the 13th comic book. So we're talking a slasher comic, but I want it to more, I want it to make Jason scary because, okay, Jason looks scary, but it seems like how a lot of comics would handle him is it's Jason running around, just killing things. But like, I want him to be mysterious and surprising anytime you see him, not just running around. Okay. Basically, I think. I think you could get good horror out of something like that if you embraced the isolation, kind of take a, um, it's kind of like what you were saying with yours, take a, uh, a little bit of what's the word, uh, a siege aspect of people being stuck at the camp, trying to deal with this, this to them unknown scary force that's killing people. You could play up the paranoia aspect to where it's not like everybody just sees Jason running around. It's people are coming up, uh, are, are, are showing up dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But play up the, the, the isolation and the, the paranoia aspects kind of play up the psychological horror aspect 
more than the killer aspect to a point. You've got isolation. They're stuck in this place. They're paranoid. It's like home invasion, but they're at the camp. Kind of my ideal, although this would never fly because, you know, having it being Friday the 13th is like a selling point. But ideally, like you wouldn't even know it's a Friday the 13th comic. Like, oh, you know what I mean? That's interesting. Yeah. That way you can still get the surprise of Jason instead of picking up a Friday the 13th and being like, all right, where's Jason? You know what I mean? Uh huh. Like, and that's the problem with any of those characters, with a Freddy, with a, you know, even like a Leatherface, anything like that. Um, almost to a point, maybe like that'd be something that like your Hammer Horror stuff would have to like fight against. Almost, you know, like I, I was going to say, like, until you said that, it sounds like the curse of uh, Chucky. You yeah. Know, like, the way that they rebooted that, where you thought it was just a straight reboot. No, it's actually a continuation. And that was the surprise at the end of that movie. And that's why, for me anyway, that movie works so well is because, like, okay, it's Chucky, so you kind of going to it expecting this thing, expecting fan service. Instead, yeah. it gives you it a gives straight you horror movie a for straight the most horror part. Movie. A straight horror movie with all the elements that we keep mentioning, the like, the isolation, the trying to deal with the, like the 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 girl is stuck in this house, um, trying to deal with this thing. It plays it as a straight horror movie. But then the twist, yeah, the surprise and the twist is it is still a little bit of fan service. Yeah, and it fits into the whole continuity mm -hmm. of whatever, six movies or whatever. I mean, it being the sixth movie. And that's, yeah, well, yeah, that's being able to play at the horror thing, but also still getting the fan service in there. Even better it being a surprise. Almost like, uh, I mean, I, everything goes back to Doctor Who, but Earthshock. Where it's like, it's a straight-up Cyberman story, but you don't know it until the end of the first episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that works well, and it's hard to do, especially if you're trying to sell a product where it's like, the selling point is what the writer and what the creative team's trying to keep secret. It's yeah, at odds. it almost goes against type. It's like, uh, it, we want, okay, basically what we want is to give them a Friday the 13th movie, but we don't want to tell anyone that that's what it is, even though that's what would sell tickets. Yeah. Now, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I that's what that. would that's sell great, it. That's great. Yeah. And, and that's what would sell it after the fact. It's like, oh my God, we just got a new Friday the 13th movie and nobody told us. And it's brilliant. And I think I love the summer camp setting for like anything, but especially for horror stuff. And it's, it's, it's a, it's very much a trope, but I feel like very, very, very few things that do the summer camp setting, very few movies, I feel like very few of them are actually good, which is kind oh, of disappointing yeah. because I think it's such a good potential setting. And you've got right there, you've got a reason for a bunch of random characters to be together. And and then I would say a lot of it is focus on characters, make some good characters. And then you could start to bring in like, the horror aspect. And one thing I potentially like about Jason that, you know, the movies kind of work, work on is I like the unstoppable force. And if it's something where they're isolated or it's like a siege, they can't get away from this camp for whatever reason, it becomes that, like that dread where it's like, you know, you can't stop what's going to happen. And that I can, I can even scary. see how I can even see how this works. It's, it's so obvious. Basically they rename the camp. And nobody knows that it's a Friday the 13th movie until, like, they accidentally uncover the old sign that says Crystal Lake. What? Okay. Let's... <laughs> I feel like we just wrote this comic. Let's say you... 
that's awesome. And you, I think if you went about it, you're like, you know, it's a summer camp horror comic. Don't put the name on it. And people, I think you're going to get the fans of Friday the 13th without them necessarily expecting that fan service, which I think takes some of the pressure off of the writers from having to deliver a fan service comic or else the fans will be upset. And then do that as the reveal, like before you even see Jason, like stuff's already started, reveal that it's that place. Like it starts, it starts feeling familiar before you ever really know it. And then boom, there's the reveal. And then it just goes straight up Jason movie. Think, Think of how you would feel reading that. Like, okay. So you're buying the summer camp thing. You're obviously a fan of that kind of genre, that kind of story. But you don't know you're getting an actual Friday the 13th comic. Think of like how it would feel to read that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it could be even like self-referential. It could be like, uh, was it Camp Summer Lake or something like that? Like just replace one word and you already feel it already feels familiar. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, no, it's not Summer Lake. It was always Crystal Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And I think it'd be a book that, now I don't know that this necessarily helps publishers, although for second printings, third printings, it would help. I think it'd be a book that would take people by surprise and then get uh, get that, it'd be one of those books where the first issue comes out and it doesn't sell all that well, but then people are like, holy crap, and then then you go to second print, third print, second issue does well. It'd be one of those things that would like pick up steam, like um the Injustice comic book where nobody expected it to be much because it's a comic, it's a DC comic book based on a video game. I'm sure DC didn't expect it to like sell like gangbusters and then it exploded. And the first issue's very pricey. If you can get a first print, I think it could potentially be like one of those. If whatever publisher currently has the rights, Ooh, that's even kind of a giveaway. But if, if a publisher had the, had the, the nerve to try to do it, to go about it that way. But you know, like those rights are so fluid. I mean, like someone owns the rights to Army of Darkness, and a different comic can do Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. Even though yeah, they're the right. same universe, you could have two different. I mean, like, so it could be it could be a dead giveaway, but there's potential. Just depending, you know. I mean, unfortunately, with Friday the Thirteenth, it's a pretty solid thing. You know, like you're probably not going to get that same situation because one title kind of thing. But this has zero titles. All you need is the rights to the character, mm-hmm. not even the rights to the name, because you're not selling it based on the name. There is a there's a video game coming up that initially they were kickstart they were doing a Kickstarter for. Oh, I think I've heard of this. Yes. And it was I think it was just called Summer Camp or something like that. Now I don't think they intentionally did a crazy switcheroo. I think like they wanted to do this big homage to Friday the Thirteenth. They got Tom Savini on board to do, I don't know, some type of character designs or something. Mm-hmm. And they got the composer, uh, Mancini. Well, um, it's because all those horror guys are very tight knit. So if you can get a couple of people on board, surprise, surprise, you get the whole ball of wax. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, exactly. And that's how it worked out. And they're like, they're like, summer camp movie. You get to play as the killer. Or like it's like a multiplayer thing. One person plays as yeah. the killer. One okay, plays as the yeah. person. And then, I think it was you that sent me a link about this. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was like, oh, this looks awesome. I'm totally on board. And they played up like, uh, kind of the the 80s slasher thing. And and then partway through, I think 
they got a hold of somebody who got a hold of somebody who like was able to acquire rights partway through. They were like, guess what? This is now the Friday, the 13th video game. And people are like, Oh my God. So like it even blew up even bigger like that to where people were on board before it was Friday, the 13th, the video game. And then when they were able to like do that little switcheroo, it kind of like just brought even more people to it. So I think it would work like that. And I'm, I'm sold. And there's been lots of talk, lots of talk lately about, you had mentioned there was a series, there was potentially going to be another series, they're going, they're going to reboot it again, or at least do it, there's yeah, going to be another I've, movie. I've heard this a few times, and uh, that's what I'd heard, is that they were thinking about a new movie, but then they were thinking about it being a series, or there was both going on at the same time, I don't know. So, you know, Synergy, like, that would be the time to release such a comic. Well, now, I feel like now is the time. Like they tried to force some reboots on us not all that long ago, and they weren't even bad. You know, they were just weren't what we were ready for. But now I feel like people are ready again. Like the '80s are the new cool. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would fly now, whereas before it's like, oh, we need a new Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, we need a new uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Hell, but we're not ready for it. So you know, just don't, just don't give us fan service or think that having jason or whoever in it is enough like you gotta develop suspense it's gotta be a good movie first <laughs> yeah you, it's gotta you gotta have that story don't forget yeah. about the horror like it's a horror thing a horror doesn't just mean it looks a certain way and this character's there yeah it can't just be that character because yes uh, michael myers is a great character are all of his movies great no god we're gonna get another halloween movie too of course we are, because <laughs> it's almost Halloween. And John Carpenter is going to have actually have something to do with it. I'm guessing produce it, but that doesn't. I, I I love John Carpenter stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean quality because he he's 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 wants a paycheck now. You know he's he's older. Well, sure, he just needs some money. <laughs> it's like the older Wes Craven movies. You know, at a certain point, we got Scream. Which actually is on my list here. I think Scream would have made a better comic than movie, to be honest. Scream would have actually worked in a fan service y kind of way. Yeah. Because of the just the attitude of the movie itself. Like I think it would have worked Yeah. Well, it's very meta. That's the whole point of you know, like you see that a lot more in comics. So meta meta kind of thing probably could have been pulled off pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as you were going through yours, your your hammer horror pitch, like I was like, oh man, he's hit so many of the points that I would like to see with mine as well. But you know, those are those are effective areas of horror that one when done well are very effective, and it seems like they're the harder areas to hit effectively. And it seems like people won't touch them anymore, but they always work mm -hmm. when they're done right. Yeah. And I feel like we need to go back. I mean, I, I hate going back to the well too often because that's reboot territory, but you can do it. I mean, it's been done well so many times that I feel like there's still ways to reimagine it. There's still ways for it to work. You know, what's interesting though. Like as much as we complain about reboots and we're given an opportunity to pitch any kind of a horror comic we want, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we both go for like reboots and like existing properties yeah yeah but that kind of comes from being a fan of the thing and it's like we see these things being rebooted and the reason reboots 
every time you hear about a reboot, it's like a groan because it's like, oh. It's the same story. How are they going to screw this up this time? How are they going to make this disappointing thing? So if, like, they're going to do it, we'd like to see it done well. Yeah. Or at least take a new take on it. I mean, there's there's a reason why, I mean, like we even mentioned Sherlock before, Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock does well because it's a different take on it. It's done well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, have there been bad Sherlock reboots? Sure. Of course there have been. But when it's done well, it can be done real well, and it can be worth doing, you know? I mean, like uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, are the, you know, is there good... Uh, there's all sorts of things that can be redone pretty well. I'm just going to bring it back to Alan Moore because why not? <laughs> you know, I don't know. A good, a good Frankenstein. I really liked. Uh, I haven't liked a lot of Frankenstein movies up until uh, Big Finish did one with Arthur Darvill as uh, Doctor Frankenstein and uh, Nick Briggs played the monster, and I thought that was really good because it brought it back without being the exact same Mary Shelley that we all knew. You mentioned Alan Moore, and that got me thinking, like, it's a little bit different when you're a writer that comes onto a comic book. You're, like, coming onto a character that's currently going and whatever. You're just kind of taking over the run. But look what he did with Swamp Thing. He basically came onto a book that was essentially a monster horror book. And it's then practically he, the, the creature from the Black Lagoon, minus being completely underwater. Yeah. And he uh, he literally, like, killed off the character and re re uh uh, reintroduced him like yeah in a way we never knew we needed yeah and he introduced all these other elements and it became that much of a stronger thing and you know maybe i'm wrong maybe there's like they're hardcore swamp thing readers back in the day who read got to the alan moore stuff and it's like he ruined the character but like it seemed like he did nothing but improve it yeah yeah i know there's a lot of good horror comics out there i, just, I need to read more i need to read i need to search out it I need to break I, away from all the DC superhero stuff once in a while and try to I search say, out some I, I feel like we've we've tread this con uh, conversation in the past, but in a different light. It's just like, uh, oh, well, the last pre-show. Yeah, there's good horror comics out there. They're just not being done by the big by the big guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we just have to find them. They're out there. Someone's doing them. We really liked uh, the Cabinet, which we read. Oh yeah, way yeah. Back when you know, and and that was indie. And so there's probably more stuff like that out there. And the cabinet. Oh man, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's horror done well. And that hit like several of the things that we were kind of talking about. It was for the most part, a psychological horror story. There's aspects. Yeah. Um, and I think it all, everything you've seen happen is what happened, but there's aspects where you're like, is this ha actually happening to the character? And they've got, you know, it's up in, what is it? Antarctica. Yeah. So you've got the isolation thing and they're stuck there and there's the paranoia. Like it hit like a lot of the things that were like, we put, put Freddie there, put Jason yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which in that light. Okay. I suppose Freddie or Jason in space works, but <laughs> see, see, and but that's not. not to totally crap on Jason X, but yeah, that's an aspect where on paper. Okay. Well get past Jason in space sounds ridiculous, but if you're like, yeah, but it's Jason in space. Think of the isolation in space. No one can hear you scream when you're getting hit with a machete or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you're like, oh, yeah, okay. There There's like, nowhere to run. It yeah. could work, but then you just get a, like another ridiculous Jason movie. So 
Yeah. Listen, I mean, the Friday the Thirteenth movies are fun, but they're not necessarily good. There, there, there's, there's some, some bright sides, but. But if you listen to uh, Randy's pitch, they could be. They could be. They could be. They could be good. And I think that's why I gravitated towards Friday the Thirteenth because I think that's a character that if you did it well, it would work in that like. I wasn't expecting that to work so well. Like, if you made it work, you'd get that extra surprise of, I didn't know Jason could actually be, like, a psychological horror thing, you know? Yeah. Well, and they're going to do it anyways. So why not do it well? I mean, they're planning on rebooting it anyways. So let's do it in a clever way. I think, I I think, even, and I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's pretty decent, uh, the new Blair Witch. Like, the way that they kind of kept that under wraps until San Diego Comic-Con. It's like all of a sudden, oh, oh, Into the Woods, that's Blair Witch. Boom. Gotcha. Which instantly brings, like, interest in something that people otherwise might have been like, really? Blair Witch? Okay. It's like, um, did you ever see uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane? Huh. It's, it's, it's a Cloverfield sequel. Right. But it's very different, and it was something that, like, Nobody even knew they were working on. It was basically like a a little pet oh, yeah. project. It was just like out just, of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Here, boom. And that's like that's good marketing to like it's it's weird that you you can say it's good marketing not to tell anyone you're working on this thing. <laughs> well, but at, at the same time, when that news dro- that's when things are most exciting when the news drops and you get that unexpected like that surprise that yeah. like oh. Okay. Only a handful of things are actually served by that anticipation. Uh, Star Wars might be better served by, okay, we're going to make you wait for six months. Mm -hmm. But most things, uh, you know, it's like, oh, when do we want to strike? When the iron is hot. Something like that. Because, yeah, you're going to have the big tent poles where people are going to go see it after hearing, waiting for this thing for three years. But, yeah, there's a lot of things where it's like, you weren't expecting it, but pow! Here it is. Everybody's talking about it. It's out now. Go see it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. Well, and, and then after the fact, it's like, oh, Suicide Squad. Yep, haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll wait until it's on direct to video or digital or whatever. You know what? I'd go out and buy or go out and watch right now. Psychological Friday Thirteenth movie. <laughs> It doesn't even sound right to say out loud. <laughs> summer, su- summer, summer Lake. Summer Lake. <laughs> Which sounds like a really bad Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> come, come on, come on, Summer. Whatever. We're going to the lake. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with this lake. It's ironic. It's ironically named after you because you're such a big deal. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I can see. I can see him saying that. <laughs> you know the funny thing about that Friday the Thirteenth idea with the reveal of like. This is actually Camp Crystal Lake is, it seems like every time they do a sequel or a comic or something, that's how they do it. They're just like, they do it anyway. Yeah, they do it anyway. But the problem is, is, I feel like that is the plot of one of the Friday the 13th movies, but it's like straight out. It's like out there right in the beginning from the beginning. So basically you'd be taking something they've used, just doing it right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, because the problem with that, like, reveal of, like, it's actually Camp Crystal Lake, it's like, this is Friday the 13th, part 17, I know. 
Like we all knew that. I, we all knew that. The the campers apparently didn't, even though Crystal Lake never moved. <laughs> <laughs> There's only like a dozen murders every at most ten years. People are gonna remember that. See, it would work now because Jason's been in space for a while. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It would work. No, he's like, oh, wait, he's back in a space pod. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, write that part out. No. (laughs) Maybe no space pods. Oh, man. I read this fantastic article, and I can't can't give it a shout-out. I don't know what website it was on. This is some time ago. Basically a rundown of all the Friday the 13th comic books up until whenever the article was written. And there are... (sighs) The way they, I mean, it's ridiculous. At one point, there's one that takes a, takes that starts after Jason X, and Jason X is like he lands on Earth two at a lake oh, type thing, no. and then there's a comic that picks up with that where it's like you think it's Earth two, it's actually Earth one, it's the real Camp Crystal Lake, but then, <laughs> but then the Planet of the Apes dim. But then apparently that comic ends with actually somehow putting him on Earth two, so it's still where he was at the end of Jason X. I don't know. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no. That's not scary. That's just ridiculous. That's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need Jason Lore. We just... He's hes a zombie. He's a murder zombie. And like a good zombie <laughs> movie, he should be there to serve as a threat when the real horror comes from the situation, you know? Yeah. Or, or what other people are doing. You'd even take that angle. I'm fine with that. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> to the end of the show <laughs> this is randy you see grolix was my son and today is his birthday and this is jesse do you like scary grolixes thank you for listening to the grolix podcast the grolix podcast is a production of the electronic media collective and vorpal arrow studios for more Grolix Podcasts, check out GrolixPodcast.com. Also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, ElectronicMediaCollective.com, Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast, Twitter.com slash Grolix Podcast, all the dot com slash all the Grolix Podcast. That felt a little sloppy, but it'll clean up in editing. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to apologize for editing already.